All right. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Welcome back to another episode of the Fast Break Lab NBA podcast. Uh, before we get into the quick headlines, uh, follow us on Twitter at FBL NBA pod and follow us on Instagram at FBL underscore NBA pod. We got me, Samuel here, and I got two friends, two, two new guests to the podcast. We got Jalil. Say what's up. Hello. Hey, everybody. And Atiba, say what's up. Yo, yo, what's up, what's up? All right, so let's get into some quick headlines before we get into the main Christmas Day games. So this week we've had um, Kawhi's uncles, his request were to the Toronto Raptors and the Los Angeles Lakers that he wanted to receive a partial ownership share, private plane access, a house, and guaranteed amount of endorsement money to secure his commitment. How y'all feel about that? Jalil, you want to go first? Um, I will. I don't mind tackling that first. What I will say is, when you are a certain level of star, you you deserve more than what is just a standard contract. We all know when Melo was a Nick, they threw a whole kicker with strippers in a in a strip club in for him on top of the 120 million that we were giving him. James Harden, I know he has a little extra something in his Houston deal. So I'm not upset that Kawhi requested it, but he was asking for a lot. I think it was his uncle and um, what you call it. It was, um, it's illegal under the NBA's collective bargaining agreement. Yeah, but you know, there there are a couple of under the table things that I feel like aren't spoken about and aren't leaked to the media. And I feel like if, had he had said yes to the Lakers, that information wouldn't have been leaked by the Lakers nor the Raptors. But I think he was pushing it a little too far with the request because now we're talking about ownership and we're talking about some things that are just a, a, a lot to ask for for not a guaranteed championship. Mm-hmm. Okay, here's my take on it. Personally, as a as a as an aspiring businessman, I get the moves. I get trying to get all you can out of an organization that you're not touching, you know, equally amount of revenue as them. But I feel like in situations like that, it could hurt Kawhi in the future. Just being that his manager is somebody who, who can, who can full heartedly try to make deals that aren't, you know, essentially tailored to just the player and how much they're going to be paid. But seeing that it was denied, I feel like it was nothing. You know, we can just look past it. But definitely, I feel like all the GMs in the league are taking notice. And just keeping an eye on Kawhi and his whole camp. Because, you know, the whole load management thing is a lot going on around him. Just how much he's just trying to milk from the game right now. Yeah. And what you call it, they did investigate and they found no evidence of anything. Because, you know, this was all probably verbal. So there's no way to actually get evidence of this. Right. Which is smart. Which is smart. Because you don't want to put stuff like that in writing. Because you're just, you're just indicting yourself. Right. All right, we had a we had a trade. Wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Before you get into the trade, one last thing on the wide point. I think though this could be bad for the NBA because it's starting to set a new standard of what's acceptable and what's not. And though there's no technical evidence of it, I feel like for years to come, it sets the precedence for for certain players to feel like they're obligated and should be allowed to even make those type of requests. And that could lead to a slippery slope for the NBA. I'm sorry to cut you off. Mm-hmm. 
Now I get what you're saying, though. All right, we had a trade, minor trade, but it's the first trade of the year. First trade since um, the Russell Westbrook-Chris Paul trade. And we had the Cavs sending Jordan Clarkson to Utah for Dante Exum and two future second-round picks. And then after that, Utah waived Jeff Green and picked up somebody from the G League. So, um, I think I'm going to go first on this one. I was... I'm actually really surprised because I didn't, I didn't, this is my first time hearing about the trade at all. And, um, personally, I thought that the Cavs were looking to move Kevin Love before anything else. But definitely moving Jordan Clarkson wasn't, it's not a bad thing because he wasn't, he wasn't producing that, that well this season. Uh, I think he might be maybe like middle of the 10 to 15 point per game range. Yeah, he's averaging like 14, I think. Um, Dante Exum, as a, I feel like they didn't really, I don't feel, I don't feel like any team got something that was better than the other except for maybe the, the picks, but mm-hmm. I definitely see this as a way of the Cavs getting themselves geared up to really go through a whole rebuild because I definitely see Kevin Love moving before the, the trade deadline and there's a lot of rumors around the league about stuff like that. I don't know how how effective this was in general as far as building the team to be better because I don't I don't see a, a large difference in between both players. So I, I don't really see the, the point in it, but maybe maybe there's something that we don't know about Exum that makes him a very valuable piece to this team. They're they're building with Garland and Colin Sexton. Colin Sexton's a, he's having a pretty good season, not not the best. I, I like to see more from him. Um, but we'll see. Definitely, definitely not worthy, I guess. Um, I think the trade, honestly, is nothing. Nothing big. Nothing mm-hmm. to take note of. Because if you want to be truthfully honest, Jordan Clarkson is past whatever he could have been. So he won't be, he will not reach his potential. And if he already did, it wasn't much. Dante Exelman. He's kind of young. He's still kind of young, but what is he going to do? Develop a better jump shot now? It's a little too late for that. I feel like for Utah, they just needed, like, they needed something because their season's been meh and Mike Conley's been horrible. So they need like, someone to pick them up off the bench. And I feel like Jordan Clarkson, he's, he's averaged, what was it? Like, he's averaging like 14.6 points per game. So he's doing pretty good. And that's better than most of the guys that Utah has coming off the bench. <laughs> It's better than Exum. I know that for sure. Exum. Exum's been He's only crazy. averaging like eight minutes this game. Who? I mean, this, Exum? this season. Exum, Exum, yeah. He's not doing too well. Exum, Dante Exum, Exum hasn't been, been really injury prone. Well, since he's been drafted. As a matter he's of fact. He's been injured half the, half, the, half the time that he's been in Utah. Yeah. Dante Exum was actually one of the more scouted prospects coming out of that draft class. What year mm-hmm. was that? Maybe like 20. I want to say. 13, I believe. Yeah, it was either 12 or 13. Don't quote me on that, but. Mm-hmm. I think six years later... 2014, line, 2014. Oh, 2014, okay. I think since then, he hasn't progressed enough to where I say he's a noteworthy player and definitely worthy of staying in the NBA because he was drafted with, with a top 10 pick. And I feel like for you to be drafted with a top 10 pick, you have to be showing some signs of progression over at least a five-year period. I and I don't feel like we've seen Dante Exum progressing as a basketball player. And so... Just I looking mean, at his stats right now, he's I mean, averaging yeah. 5.7 PPG, 
career-wise and 2.2 this year. And it's it's kind of it's kind of I guess and, and he's look, been injured look, a whole lot, which hasn't been beneficial to him. And they and they signed um, Moutier this summer to basically take his role as the backup. Right. Player. And here's my thing: I feel like if anything, now looking at the stats, I definitely feel like the Cavs might have lost on this one. <laughs> <laughs> I guess the picks are going to be good, but yeah, they, they I think they just want the picks and the young players, see what they can do with them. I mean, they just bring in another point guard. And they're they're kind of having a little. That, that I feel like that's creating a little log jam now because you got Garland, you got Sexton, you got um. First of all, Garland pickup was kind of confusing to me because the, the previous year you pulled Sexton and two small guards you know, in the backcourt starting them together wasn't really. Yeah, doesn't really make. Yeah. And they're both ball dominant, and it's like mm-hmm. no one's gonna refer to the other one, especially when it's like you know we have a team with no solidified point guard and somebody's we're all battling for the spot. It didn't really make sense. And I guess it, it might have been their way of trying to make one flourish by putting the pressure on him. But, I mean, and then the Cavs that, you, haven't been good drafting Utah, since. Then Utah waved. What happened? I said the Cavs haven't been good at drafting since they took Kyrie Irving. Pretty and hard. since then, they've drafted some really, really horrible players. Was Bennett pre or, or post Kyrie? Post. Bennett, yeah, Bennett was the biggest bust they had. Oh, my God. I'm... Yeah. The man played what a game or two, and then it was just over. Now he played. He played. A, he played a good chunk of the season, and then they traded him to Minnesota in that Kevin Love deal, I believe. He was part of that Kevin Love deal. I think a lot of people forget that. No, he wasn't. I thought it was Andrew. No, he Wiggins. wasn't. It was Andrew Wiggins and him and some other um, other pieces. Yeah. Okay. He was okay, part okay. of it. Oh, okay. And then we have him Utah. They waived Jeff Green right after that, and they picked up um a player that's been playing really well in the G League. That a lot of people had their eyes on. Jeff Green, I like I like Jeff Green in the past couple of years. He hasn't been as as efficient as he as he's been in his career, but definitely I think the Celtics when he was in the Celtics one, I really like. I was like, okay, he's a scrap. Yeah, can do it. yeah, it's sad to see him have to get waved like that. I don't think he's the only person I got waved in a couple in the last couple of days though. I think another person I got waved. I don't know if you're gonna get to this, but that was Jeff Teague. Jeff Teague? I, I, don't, I don't think Jeff T got waived. Um, we got um Kyrie. They said that he's gonna be out for at least another two to three weeks with this shoulder injury. I don't know how bad this shoulder injury is, but it seems like it's really bad if he's gonna be out. He's missed the past right. nineteen games, and it looks like it's gonna be another month or so till he's back. Or he's just, just engaging just, in basketball activity. Let's just be real here. I, being a Brooklyn Nets fan, I already see what the what the conspiracy seems to be, and it's definitely that Kyrie's only going to be playing half this, and he's probably going to be coming back around All Star break, and they're going to try to make a run for the playoffs. If they don't make a run for it, it doesn't really matter. They're just trying to make sure that Kyrie's healthy, and and he's built enough good rapport with the team so that when KD comes, they can really make the push that they're looking for in the 2020-2021 season. Just by them having us in the dark about his actual health for so long, because he's the last time he played a game was November 16th, right? And I've been keeping up with Kyrie News every other day, and it's always been two to three weeks. He's been in, he's been, um, in contact, I'm not in contact practice, but, um, putting up shots, st- stuff like that. It doesn't really seem like they're too keen on him coming back because 
I mean, let's think about it from a logical standpoint. We don't really need him to play if if, if we're not really trying. This is not if this is not the season that we're looking towards running towards a, a really solid playoff performance and maybe going for the chip. It's just not. And so for them, it's like you know we can take him sitting for a month or maybe a month or two because realistically we don't expect that much from this season. We just simply don't. True. Samuel, what do you think? Um. I mean, the Nets got a good thing going. They lost today to the Knicks, unfortunately, but they got a good thing going with Spencer Dinwiddie. He's looking like an all-star um, candidate. So, I mean, if he can keep the team afloat till at least Kyrie gets back, if Kyrie comes back, then I see no problem because they, they play well without him. That's the thing. The, the, the storyline has always been, especially since the failure with Boston last year, is that mm-hmm. the teams play better without Kyrie than with Kyrie. And coming here, it seems like the story has followed him again. And it's like, I don't know. They've, they've, they've been playing really well. And they played the same, the same type of talent, too. Like, they've played the same type of teams with Kyrie and without him. So, I don't know. Kyrie's just not meant to be a leader, I think. He's just, he just needs to be – he just wants to get buckets. He doesn't want to answer to, to the media and to everyone else, like, asking him. He just want a ball. Yeah, he just wants the ball, and I, I, I don't, I don't blame him for that. But I mean, when you sign up for certain things, that's just, that's just what's gonna happen. You can't, yeah, you can't just take one aspect of the NBA experience and think that's what yeah. you can do. That you, what you, what you're always gonna deal with. Just, just being a part of the NBA, you have to do things like speak to, to reporters, deal with backlash from, from analysts, deal with what, what people say in the, in the stands. There's, there's no just okay. I'm gonna come ball out, and nobody can tell me anything. It's too much to deal with. Yeah. How do you feel, Julio? Personally, um, I'm not a fan of Kyrie, and that's only because of his off-court antics. I feel like when you're in the NBA and when, well, maybe not so much the NBA, but when you're, when you're playing a team sport, how you interact with your teammates and with the media and with your team, I think that's a very intricate role in sports. For example, I remember earlier this year, there was a report about something that happened between Kyrie and the team, and he didn't want to take a picture. And it's like, yo, Kyrie, these yeah, are your guys. You have to go to war for them every single time on command because that's what they're going to do for you without question, without fail. And to me, Kyrie's not much of a team player, and I feel like that takes away from the whole team aspect, and I feel like that's part of the reason why Kevin Durant left the Warriors. Because although he was a part of the team, he wasn't a part of the team on a mm-hmm. on a on an emotional level. And so I feel like Kyrie with with how his attitude can be very sometimey in the sense that some days it's a good day, some days it's not. I feel like that's gonna have a negative role on the Nets. But he can play. The kid can play. And there's no need to take, we can't take that from him, but I think he just needs to work on integrating himself with his teams a lot better and just handling the NBA and what comes with it one day at a time. Yeah. Hmm. Um, uh, Kyrie gives me mixed vibes. And being from Brooklyn, you know, I'm going to support the Nets. And because, you know, we're just in Brooklyn, we just got to do it. Mm-hmm. But he gives you mixed vibes. Uh, hopefully, him having KD there, who's not also, you know, known the most for being, you know, 
okay with the reporters because he's also emotional and stuff like that. But hopefully him having someone who he considers his best friend there backing him up, it'll it'll make the whole cohesiveness of the team better because there's somebody there to at least balance him or talk to him. Like like what we saw in in Cleveland because before before I'm gonna be really honest with you. Before Kyrie was like, I want to leave, I thought everything was fine in Cleveland. Because so, yeah. what, what more could you ask for? You have arguably the best player in the last decade or the best player in no, the world. For that one. The best player in the world mm-hmm. backing you up like, little bro, I got you. We gonna do, Whatever you need to do, you want to take shots, this is your time, I got you. And, and you just say, yo, forget it all. I want to go somewhere else. And you go somewhere else, and, like, you don't even you do better. <laughs> you ruined the Celtics' um, young core, basically, for a year. Because right now, what I'm seeing from the Celtics with, with Kemba, a, a, a guard who's, who's able to, to gel better with the team, is the Celtics, even though they're not, you know, top three in the, in the conference or something like that, the Celtics are really promising. Jason Tatum is flourishing. Jalen Brown is flourishing. Crazy. But they are top three in the conference. They're, they're top three now? They're okay. top three. Gotcha. Because I think maybe like last week or so, maybe like they weren't, they definitely were tougher. But Samuel, I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. How do you feel regarding the Isaiah Thomas situation and how he handled I spoke about this a little bit on um, last week, um, not last week's episode, but the um, episode that we just put out on Monday. Check that mm-hmm. out if you're listening. But um, I mean, I feel like the NBA kind of exaggerated a little bit because he he went into the stands as calm as could be so i don't i don't see the reason for giving him two game suspension i mean i understand you just want to like you don't you want you don't want the players going in the stands but i feel like the way that he went should have like like should have regarded a different type of um response from the league but in response to going into the stands and like going to talk to the guys i mean at the end in the post game interview i was i was weak at it i was laughing because like it, it just sounded ridiculous to, like the whole situation like the guy was like f you and then he was like be a man and then the guy was like i'm sorry i just wanted a frosty i just thought the whole situation was just hilarious and in retrospect i just feel like well, first point isaiah thomas you being a, a player in the nba this one guy saying something to you in the stands does not ever amount to what you hear Every single time, no matter where you're at, when you miss a shot and somebody calls you a bum or uses profanity at you, like, I don't understand how you can be so easily moved in a sport where you have thousands of fans screaming at your every single move, night in, night out. You cannot be this easily moved. And also... I think it's because what um, Gilbert Arenas kind of alluded to this too on Instagram. He said it's because they were getting waxed. Yeah, yeah, that's nobody's fault but his own. That's that, nobody's fault but his You, you um, stop getting waxed. And, and one thing that's not going to help you get a win is, oh, let me go up in the stands, get two-game suspension. Because we can't have things like the malice in the palace happening. Like, like so what that if was you a completely like, different situation. Them fans was wilding. They were throwing yeah. stuff. Yeah. Right, right. But what I'm saying is you can't be in the stands trying to talk to fans about something while the game is going on, what if the fans be like, all right, copy, I'm going to swing on What you going to do now? 
your, your team is still down. That was still losing. Now you got a black eye. Yeah, you're going to sue the fan or whatever, but then look at you now. You're just putting yourself in a way worse position. Whatever, whatever you got going on right now, just internalize it. There's nothing you can do other than try to go play ball. Trying to go into the stands didn't help, and didn't help anything about what was going on. Y'all still lost. And I think tonight they got waxed crazy. They <laughs> <laughs> got obliterated, bro. I'm so sorry. The score on that one, cause it was a buck. Paying attention, a buck thirty-two to one hundred two. You got waxed. Oh yeah, he's not playing because of the suspension. That's why they're getting waxed. You're right. And I don't think I don't think it really would have mattered if they if they dropping thirty on you, bro. True. Yeah, Isaiah Thomas not putting up thirty-one. <laughs> not even at least. But anyways, last headline before we get into the Christmas Day games. Um, Oladipo finally got some Oladipo news. He is um expected possibly to return in late January or early February. <laughs> I mean, Indiana has been playing pretty well without him, so I feel like the addition of him, they don't have to rush him back so quickly, even when he does come back. Like I feel like they could have him look like a twenty twenty-five minute minutes restriction per game mm-hmm. and then as like the playoffs come around just like finally getting into that 30 30 plus minute range and then have the team at full strength when it's really time to go for playoffs and i feel like there'll be there'll be a team that will be willing to not willing but there'll be like there'll be a team that will be cautious of um they'll be um very other teams will be cautious of them because mm-hmm. they'll be a threat to other teams and I feel like Indiana's a very, very, very good team right now because Sabonis' emergence this season is crazy. Mm-hmm. Not to mention, I mean, as of lately, uh, Miles Turner is coming back to his old self after his um, his ankle injury. He's back to his um, 20 PPG, well, 20 fantasy point of game, you know, performance. And he's averaging a season high in blocks currently. Well, career high in blocks. Yeah, he's always Which been is, a good. Um, he's a good defender. Yeah, he's, he's a great defender. Mm-hmm. And couple that with the fact that Brogdon's emergence on that team is amazing. Brogdon is leading that team in a way that I didn't think he could do, but he's doing it very much so exceptionally. They have some good role players like TJ Warren, who's, who's had some breakout games, especially when they needed him this season. So I definitely feel like with the with the. Return of Oladipo. That team, depending on their seeding for the playoffs, could make a very deep run, or just upset somebody that we don't expect them to beat, like a, maybe a Philadelphia or a, or a Celtics team who doesn't really have a solidified big right now. You know? Yeah, they could. They could punish Celtics. They could punish them bad. Punish them, yes. Ooh, I'm gonna be truthfully honest with you. This is where I'm gonna have to start to disagree. I don't think that they are actually ready for the Celtics. I think the Celtics are... They're deep in the sense that they have multiple guys who can give you 20 points mm-hmm. that same night. We yeah. have Kemba, Tatum, Brown, Hayward. That's 80 right there. And I feel like if your starting lineup can get you a bona fide 80, your bench should be able to come up with about 30. Maybe that's a little too much to ask for, but about 30. And the Celtics are... A, I'm not going to say they're one of the better defensive teams, but they, you know, they're, they're, they're pretty all right defensively. And with that, I feel like 110 points in a good defensive effort, most nights should be enough for a win. But those bigs, Sabonis and Turner will punish. I'm punish sorry, them. yeah. Sabonis is a good on, man. on top of that, Lamb could get you a good 15. Warren could get you a good 18 to 20. And then throw in Brogdon and Oladipo, I mean, 
With Oladipo, then then I I might be able to agree with that. That's what I'm saying. Because since Oladipo Sabonis doesn't back, have that, what were you saying? Sabonis doesn't have that dog in him yet. He's still new to the NBA and finding his role within his team. And if he's not going to be able to be a dog and and understand that, yo, these guys have a weak big man. I need to get in attack mode and and. Feast down here, I don't think it'll make a difference because Oladipo's not going to sit there and go, oh, yeah, I'm about to give us some touches for, for some bonus in the paint. That's not what he's doing. And I don't think that's right. what Brogdon will be ready to do either. To the extent that of Sabonis is going in as a big man and he's cooking up the Celtics. Plus, I feel like the Celtics have more clutch players and more game changers. Like, Kemba, Kemba has moves. Tatum has mm-hmm. moves. Hayward has moves. Sabonis is a big. I don't think Sabonis has a particular set of moves that's like, whoa. We're not saying that Sabonis is going to be like the the game changer, but if you don't have a big that can at least limit what Sabonis is going to be doing every single night, it's going to be hard for him to win games because I don't see Thais as a person that's stopping Turner or Sabonis. And even though Cantor could be that guy, you know, I don't. I haven't seen them bring Cantor into a so into a big enough role to where he can be like how he was on. He was on the Trailblazers the year before that, right? If I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. I don't. Yeah. I don't. I don't see him in a in a role where it's like, you know, we got. I don't see them having bigs who can at least say I'm gonna go out there and get me a bucket. Uh, I'm just being real. All right, so let's get into the Christmas Day games. Which game do you guys want to start with? Cause we could just go in order. Could yeah, go in ascending order. Yeah. All right. So first game of the night, first game of the of the afternoon was um Celtics versus Raptors. I watched most of this game. It was me too. It to a blowout and towards this like the second half, so I wasn't really that much interested in it. But I was interested in seeing um how um Jalen Brown was playing because I did not see this type of play coming from him coming into the season. I know he got paid, but I didn't expect him to like really show now, why he got paid. Mm-hmm. And this is, Jalen Brown is one of the reasons as to why I feel like the whole spell of Curry, I mean of Kyrie hindering teams is being proven now. Mm-hmm. Because last season we saw Jalen Brown as a, a primary, just okay, he's a defender. That's what we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna have him on the wing defending the 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 guard or the, the small forward. That's what he's gonna do. He's gonna get his dunks. That's it. That man is shooting exceptionally well this season, and I, I don't know where it came from. I feel like I asked Jalilis the other night. I was like, since when did Jalen Brown become so good? Like, I don't know what happened. Like, personally, I want to say, you know, he got paid or he's always been yeah, like this. He he got but it's like, yo, whatever he's doing right now, if he keeps this going, the Celtics are definitely going to be a problem. Definitely second round at least. Maybe let's see what third round happens. How they get to the third round, but I'm definitely seeing them making it to maybe the conference finals. Uh, the Celtics played a good game. I don't want to give them too much credit because I feel like the Raptors were definitely hurt. They didn't have mm-hmm. Siakam. Fred yeah. Reed is coming back. I don't want to say rushed, but I felt like maybe a little abruptly off that injury. I felt like they probably could have sat him a little mm-hmm. longer just, just for health purposes. But, I mean, if... If you're shooting 50% from the field, over 40% from three, and 85 from the free throw line, it's hard to lose a game like that. Mm-hmm. It, it's just difficult. But um, the uh, Raptors, they, they didn't have Siakam. I feel like he's a very intricate role, a part of their team. He's, they didn't have Gasol. 
Gasol didn't play either. Wow, I didn't even notice that. And they didn't have. Yeah, he did not play the whole game. Powell's been playing really well as of yeah. So they missed a lot of guys. They had to. They had to go really deep into their roster today, and it wasn't. It wasn't deep enough, and and it wasn't like they were they were diving deep into players who were of very good caliber. So it was hard for them to just try to mix up the the defensive sets with the offensive sets, and and not trying to run. Lowry and Bob and um Van Vliet too much because Lowry's coming off well he's not just coming off an injury but he's two weeks off an injury and Van Vliet is like oh, a solid week off an injury you don't want to run them too hard especially when it's coming up to the first break we really have for the season and I definitely feel like it wasn't it wasn't like we saw the Celtics beat the best form of the Raptors yeah. But we saw them have a really good game, and we saw them do what they do what they were what they were expected to do, especially to to a team who was weak, weakened, not weak, not a weak team, but a team that was weakened. I feel like the Raptors they they still have um they have this um hidden talent for finding uh, guys in the G League or undrafted guys that are really good because they have these guys that come off their bench, uh, Terrence Davis and Chris Boucher. Like while they've been injured, they've been be able they've been able to win some games and especially that game i believe it was um last this past sunday against the mavericks they were playing um chris boucher played a really good game i remember he was on the warriors a couple years ago and they never played him and i actually wanted them to play him because i felt like he was the type of guy that they needed he was a lengthy guy he could shoot and he could like defend and the raptors they 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 got him and now and i feel like he's 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 stepped into that kind of siakam ish role from last year where he's like emerging as like this long rangy um talented um do it all kind of forward mm-hmm. and tatum had a, a bad game yesterday too i'm I, he just he just he kept did. shooting and shooting and i was like can you drive can you get some free throws like that will maybe that will get you going but i don't know he he he, he, keeps, he keeps doing this this year where he has like he has like a, like a stretch of good games and then he'll have like a dud have a stretch of good games and have a dud. I don't know if this is something that he's gonna keep going through through this through this year, or or if he's gonna like shape it up soon. To be truthfully honest, I think Tatum needs to find his way out of the Boston Celtics. I think mm. he needs to find the offense that's gonna allow him to take reins and elevate his game to the next level. Because we've seen him perform in the playoff setting, averaging mm-hmm. twenty four. I feel like if you could average 24 in a playoff setting, though it's a lot less games, the games are a lot more meaningful, and they're uh, against better competition on average. And so with that being said, I feel like he should definitely get off of the team because they have a lot. I feel like the Celtics have a lot of good talent, but they have so much good talent that all of them don't get the high volume of shots that they that deserve. They yeah, and that they need to be that they need to be the players that they are. Like, mm-hmm. Gordon Hayward deserves his 25. Kemba deserves his 25. Jalen Brown deserves his 25. And Jason Tatum really deserves his 25. And if you're going to have four people put up 100 shots, they're going to have to give you some major buckets with that. Yeah, and the question is, um, it's like, who do you, who do you give up? Because the question has always been, oh, Jalen Brown... Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart, Gordon Hayward. Who do you give up out of those guys when you want to like move? When you want to get a, a bigger piece? Because like they're talking about. Um, I've seen recently that they um the Celtics aren't necessarily looking for a big man. But I know personally when I watch them play, they need a big man. 
And to get a big man of the caliber that they need, um, they would need to give up substantial talent. I know they have the Memphis pick that um, from this year, and Memphis is not expected to be that high of a um, – they are expected to be a playoff team, but they're expected to be, like, lower in the – in the lottery um standing so you can use that pick but then after that it's like who do you give up do you want to give up jason brown and jay or jalen do you want to give up jason tatum or jalen brown for a center that like steven adams would you really want to do that or like i don't know i personally feel like they should probably look towards the same conference they're in for a, not not for a very very stellar big but somebody like Kevin Love, who is actively being shot, because even though Kevin Love isn't the isn't as young or as I guess you would say dominant, he can mm-hmm. play very well with people with with a good amount of stars, and he plays aggressive. Like Kevin Love is very very good. Yeah, and I feel like if if they have picks to give up, if they give them, I feel like they could just get the picks. They can get that trade done for Kevin Love with picks and maybe a mid-level player. You don't have to go looking directly at your stars. You, you got to match the salaries, though. True. And, Kevin and he Love does have a very big contract, yeah. He has a hefty contract. Didn't they sign an extension for him last season? I believe so. I don't know why they did that. That was probably the dumbest. I mean, for Kevin Love, it's good to secure that bag right away. But for the Cavs, why do you do it? Like, you're going to move on from him anyways. And you're just making it harder by signing him to the contract because it's hard. I don't to think the original. Those I don't think the original plan was to essentially oh, move on from him. Wanted, you think you think that they wanted to like keep him and build probably and build because with with the playoff team with Sexton and and him and because him and him, Kevin Love and Tristan Thompson in the in the front court isn't bad. It isn't bad. It's no pretty reason. pretty good, right? You get. You guys got a guard. Maybe you try to vie for getting uh, a star or maybe, like, at least a couple good forwards and a guard. Things can, things can turn around in an in a Eastern Conference where you can just scrap out for a 7th or 8th seed. It could work out. But I don't, I don't feel – I feel like that's probably what they were thinking. You know, maybe we, get, we, we sign Kevin Love, make him stay, and then work towards getting other pieces to make it, you know, a better team, not – Nearly what having LeBron was like, but something to where they can be competitive again. Mm. But it's clear that, that that's not what they're trying to do anymore. Because I saw some rumors about him possibly being shipped to Portland, which was crazy. Yeah, the Portland rumors know. are really heating up. And I think also Phoenix might possibly get in the mix for Kevin Love, but I don't know. I don't know how that might work out because, I mean, if you're running that power forward, that can always be good, but I don't see Aiden. Letting up on too many of his shots and his dominance for a guy like Kevin Love, who is not exactly in the prime of his career, mm-hmm. or or as dominant as A and himself is. All right, yeah. so let's get into the next game: Bucks versus um Sixers. Giannis, no. I did not see this coming. I, I wrote my notes here and beating the Sixers, their length bothered Giannis a lot. Like I saw Giannis keep I don't know why he kept doing this, but he just kept Euro stepping into the paint and Embiid was not backing down at all. And Embiid was just like deflecting the ball, 
um, poking it loose, stripping him, blocking him. And Embiid was getting frustrated. And I mean, not Embiid. Um, Giannis was getting frustrated. He had gotten he got poked in the eye, I think, one time, and he went after the refs. He got teed he up. He got a technical. Yeah, he got teed up for that. And um, I also have here that um, the Sixers, they had a historic night from three. I mean, I remember at halftime, they were shooting 11 for 22. That's 50%, I believe. Mm-hmm. And uh, the question I have is Middleton enough as the second best player to win a championship for the Bucks? John, you want to go first? Oh, uh, that's fine. He could be, depending on the other pieces, but I don't feel like the Bucks have a championship roster at with what with what they're doing and with what they're projected to do. Because what it seems like is they're probably going to sign Giannis to the max, mm-hmm. and for a quarter of a billion dollars. I'm pretty sure you're going to have to get a championship because that's, that's $50 million a year for five years. You got to come out with something. But the problem with that is the way Giannis plays basketball and giving him that type of contract, I don't think it gives them the ability to gather the type of players they need. But what I honestly think is, no, I don't think Middleton will be enough. They need a better point guard. Middleton needs to play better. Giannis... Mm-hmm. Giannis needs to develop a more of a jump shot because you can't be the best player on the team in the offensive focal point and not have a jump shot unless you're going to be like Shaq, unless you're going to be like Kareem, where you're just, every time we get you the ball on the block, it's basically good from there. Giannis, like I was looking at his usage rate for that game against the 76ers, 42%, and you're shooting, what, around like 8 for 24, 9 for 8 for 27? Something like that. Yeah, that's not going to cut for it. for 7 from 3. Yeah, that's super not going to cut it. Definitely then, not against a Philadelphia team where their, their starting five is all putting up like 20 points a game or 20 points that game. I feel like we saw definitely a, a possible Eastern Conference Finals matchup. And... I saw what I thought might have happened, or what I predicted, which was the fact that Embiid could give Giannis some type of hell in the paint. Mm-hmm. And I feel like with the Bucks organization knowing knowing what happened to them last season in the in the playoffs, but not to not to a team like the Seventy Sixers, but to a team like the Raptors, where they just threw twin towers at you. Sorry for lack of a better term, but two two big guys that you in the paint, and you know having having to make Giannis figure it out from there. I feel like the Bucks are gonna have they're gonna they're gonna have to figure something out. They're gonna have to get better players, and I feel like before this trade deadline, they are gonna try to they are gonna find somebody better. But one thing we also have to we also have to realize is that the Bucks they have Eric Bledsoe, who who is the the leader on their team, and who well not the leader sorry for saying the leader, but the point guard on their team. Mm-hmm. The main point guard at that. So I don't feel like the offense was run the way it usually is. And um, I don't feel like we should take this game very, very strongly, seeing that I believe they did play already for this season, and it might be 1-1 on the season matchup so far. I think that's the first matchup, actually. It was? I think so. And um, also, the, the Sixers had a historic night from three. That's not going to be the case yeah. every time. But Atiba, you're saying that they needed to, they need to improve. At, at which positions are you referring? Is it just Chris Middleton? No, um, Chris Middleton. Does he primarily start at the four? He primarily no? starts at like the two or the, th- not even the two, but the three actually. 
The three, I'm sorry, yeah, I meant to say the three. So, definitely, Wesley Matthews is not cutting it as far as have him being your starting two guard. I feel like we definitely need to find, well, they definitely need to find somebody better than Wesley Matthews to, to at least hold down the guard position because there's there's too, there's been too many games I've been looking at the box score and that Wesley Matthews has three points, five points, eight points. We, for, for you being a guard on the team, you need to at least, personally, in my perspective, you need to at least be shooting, at least having 15.2, 15 PPG per game coming in, especially if you're a starter. If you're a starter, 15 PPG a game is minimal. Minimal. For your, for your team to be successful. Yeah. And some names that I've seen associated with, like, the Bucks in, like, trade rumors or, like, trades that, te- that um, like, other media members want them to pursue is um, possibly a trade for um, Drew Holiday. Or, and possibly a trade for Donovich mm. from the Kings. I know a lot of you about Donovich from the Kings is he's a he's a nice little guard, but oh. I'm liking that Drew Holiday. That Drew Holiday sounds exponentially better because I, Drew Holiday brings that ability to to run the guard spot, the ability to to run. He can. He, I feel like he also he's able to run the small forward spot. And he's a very good, very, very good defender and a very efficient offensive player. That would be a very a, a good a good piece to add to your team. Mm-hmm. I'm actually gonna disagree with the T-ball. I don't think Drew Bl- Drew Bledsoe. I don't think Drew Holiday is enough of an upgrade at the point guard position over Eric Bledsoe for that to be what's gonna get them over the hump. Personally, Brooke Lopez is not a championship center. We know that, so they gotta get rid of. him. They have to get rid of Brooke Lopez. He can shoot, and that's where I the feel Bucks like, that's like all to. They need him to do shoot and play defense, which is what he does. Because I think yeah. they just rely on Giannis to do all the other stuff and Middleton too. See, but if you're gonna rely and on, on two top players of that, getting to do all your stuff, though, then the two players that you're going to rely on cannot. One of them cannot be Chris Middleton. If you're gonna rely on two players to get it done for you, it has to be more of a one-two punch, not a not a one-two hug. Because Giannis is a, he, he's, he packs the punch, but who's afraid of Middleton? Who's going into this game like, yo, Celtic Middleton, like no, eh, I doubt that. I, I doubt, I doubt Celt- that. He, 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 I only say that, I only make that joke because he, like, there's a, there's a, like a running gag that he mm-hmm. always plays well against the Celtics, especially like in the playoffs. Like he's always, he's always killed them. Which is fine, but is that what you're going to hang your hat on? Because I don't oh, even, of course not. I don't even think the Celtics are the team to beat in the East. I no, think it's, not. it's the 76ers. Yeah. And I think what the 76ers provide is decent shooting, but they match Milwaukee in the one thing where they overwhelm other teams, which is length. Yeah, length yeah. and like defense. And as long as you as long as you leave a Brooke Lopez level center somebody like Joel Embiid, it's not going to work. Yeah. And 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 back to the matchup in a way Last year, Giannis had like 54 on the Sixers and still lost. So we know that I think it's more than just Giannis. I think they need to improve their starting lineup and bench overall. Because once you get to the bench, you start naming people that nobody really know. Like, don't get me wrong. I, I, I want to say his name is Dante, but DiVincenzo. Yeah, Dante DiVincenzo. He's all right, but... Yeah, he's okay, but... He's a bench player for... An NCAA championship team that's not going to win you a championship in the NBA. NCAA well, got, and NBA got are a not lot the same. of they got a lot of young pieces that they can move. Um, yes, that, for that a contenders fact. would like 
that would give them that would give them like re- good give them better role players than they have now. Like mm-hmm. a lot of contenders, a lot of them um, not contenders, but a lot of like bottom feeder teams. Sorry to call those teams that, but they would like these young players that they have, like DJ Wilson, Vincenzo, Sterling Brown. Then that's I see Pat like, Connaughton being able to move. Even though Pat Connaughton is very, I personally think, think that the Bucks should run Kevin Love. I mean Kevin Love, Giannis at the center and make a trade for Kevin Love. Because if you mm-hmm. put your center on Giannis, it's it's over. And we're and let's stop pretending that he's not seven feet. He's he seven. Yeah, he, he's so here. That's seven foot. At least seven foot one. Not he can rebound with the best of them. I don't think that centers can body him up, or at least I don't think there are enough centers in the NBA that put that type of pressure on him to where it's like, yo, I have to sit in the post and guard him. Maybe Joel Embiid, but I feel like for that you could sub in another big so that Giannis doesn't have to expend himself guarding. But I feel like starting Giannis at center is the move they need to make so that they can fill those shorter positions with more versatile players who not only play defense, but can score. Because the, the spot-up shooting thing is cool, but we, we, we know that just being able to spot-up shoot is not good enough to win championships. Because if it mm-hmm. was, the Rockets would win. <laughs> Speaking of the Rockets, let's get into the next game. Rockets versus Warriors. Disappointing. I fully blame James Harden. I do not care what kind of game he has because the thing is, as a Harden fan, he doesn't have enough success at the right time. He doesn't win the big games. And if you're not going to win the big games, you're you're basically Kirk Cousins 0 for 9 on Monday Night Football. You're not. (laughs) That's a problem for me. You can't. Now, don't get me wrong. He does end up losing to the Warriors in the playoffs, which what is what everyone else ends up doing. But at he some point... He usually has the best chance of beating them. Yeah, but at some point, you just have to get it together. You, you don't, you don't, it's only but so long you get to have excuses. All the other greats don't get to come up with excuses for why they didn't get it done. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter that Charles Barkley had to play Michael Jordan. What do we remember? He lost. Yeah. Same thing with John Stockton and Carl Malone. It doesn't matter. So if you want to be an all-time great, you have to get it done. All right. I just want to hold up. I just want to pull up because I, um, I had a little breakdown on my website, fastbreaklayup.com. Check that out. Uh, but I had a little breakdown of today's game. And not, not today's game, but that game specifically because I, I kind of like I kind of pointed out what I thought were the main flaws with the Rockets in that game mm-hmm. because um, I felt like Harden was just he was just settling like um, this game was I wrote that this game was supposed to be the nap game this was, game was this game was supposed to be the game that everyone was supposed to like take their nap after opening up all the presents, after watching the first couple of games, hoping that those two games would be good. But yeah, Wait, the, um, it's supposed to be the Ibis game. It's supposed to be yeah. you, 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 you have lunch, it's time to go to sleep for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. You're supposed to this this is the, this was the intermediate game. And I one thing I would also say is that you cannot win games having Russell Westbrook go eleven for thirty two. I'm sorry and zero for eight from three. And I get so much flack from even people on this. Even though he's not here, I'm going to speak about it. Frankie, I made a post the other day, and it was of Russell Westbrook flexing. 
I said 20 points, 13 rebounds, 12 assists, 5 for 25 from the field. <laughs> Let's look at his stats. Let's look at his stats. What's the rest book? 30 points somehow. What? On 32 shots. On 32 shots. Tw- 12 rebounds and 5 assists. Four turnovers. But you're shooting 11 for 32 and 0 for 8 from 3? You're not going to win games like that. I'm sorry. I will give the Warriors credit. They came out with a good defensive game plan to disrupt Harden. Because every time he stepped past half court, they doubled him. And they forced the other four Rockets to become playmakers. They even forced Clint Capella to put the ball on the floor. And you know you're going to win a game if you're making Clint Capella, P.J. Tucker, and Ben McLemore and Daniel House put the ball on the floor. And you're definitely going to win if you're letting Westbrook shoot 0 for 8 from 3. And then You got got Westbrook averaging more. Rebounds in your big, like, 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 what are we doing here? I wouldn't even say that that necessarily is the problem. I think what the Rockets is, they're too reliant on the three point shot, and when they can't hit it, they mm-hmm. break. You down. live and die you, by the three. Yeah, live and die by the three. That don't trust me. It's a gr- I don't want to say it's a great method, but I don't think it's consistent enough to win a championship. Yeah, There's no reason night, that you, you as a team, as your second best player, right. The second most shots. As a team, you have a hundred shots total put up. Why are fifty-one of them? Fifty-one of these. That's sad. And only sixteen are made. Sixteen is sixteen is very at least twenty-five. I mean, it's very hard to ask somebody to shoot fifty percent from the three. But sixteen for fifty-one is not efficient enough for you to be out be out there. See if we could seriously that you're gonna put ten for for where you're gonna that you're gonna seriously win a game. I'm sorry, especially if half your shots aren't way more difficult because they're from a further distance away. And Harden didn't do himself any favors either. Once the ball left his hands, he just kind of stayed at half court and didn't do anything. I saw a clip like that. I saw a clip. I saw a clip. He didn't move around. And that's part... And that's not just on Harden. That's on D'Antoni because the offense doesn't ask Harden to cut or do anything. And I feel like if if the Rockets added more cuts, more movement, and stuff like that, their offense would be way more efficient and be harder to stop. And mm-hmm. I feel like it's easy to stop now. You just double Harden, and then you just let Westbrook take all the shots, and you know he's going to miss most of them. So you end up coming up with the win anyways. So I know the other day, the Kings, they ran like a box and one on Harden. And I, was, I, I wasn't really shocked, but I was kind of shocked because I haven't seen a box and one since the NBA Finals. So mm-hmm. it's like... What I will say is, with the Rockets, one thing that I have noticed about this season is they, ha- or maybe not this season as a whole, but lately, maybe like the past two, three, four weeks, Harden hasn't been putting up 20 free throws a game. Yeah, teams are stopping that. Definitely, so, definitely. As long as Harden's not putting up 20 free throws a game, he can't put 50 on you. And if Harden can't put 50 on you, they're probably not going to win because, and this is, this is not an indictment on any of the skills of anyone on that team, but if you exclude Harden and Westbrook and Capella, those are kind that that's kind of a bottom of the barrel roster like you were talking about earlier. Like it's 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 Dan Well House Jr. Who is that? <laughs> like like got, all jokes they, aside, they, and I'm not being they funny. got him from the G League. Who is that exactly? That's my point. You can't be starting fifteen shots. You you can't be starting tats from the G League. That's not winning recipe. That's not a winning recipe. Whoa, I'm looking at that line right now, and I'm sorry, I'm confused. 15 shots, right? 5 for 15 from the field, but 5 for 12 from the 3. I'm confused as to why we're putting so much... I mean, they have to take the shots because they're that open. Because if they're going to double hard, if you're on the wing, what are you going to do? Just 
hold it until somebody closes out and then give it back? No, like but with Harden, I feel like he could have scored a lot more yesterday if he got you know what he, what he could have done is pass it out of the double team and then make a hard cut towards the paint and then you yeah. get some more free throws you get some layups you get even better opportunities for shooters maybe they make those and you, and the thing with the rocket shooters i know they're probably they're probably wondering like how do these guys expect me to get into a rhythm when harden is dribbling for like 20 seconds and he passes it to me when i have like 4 seconds to shoot and I have to throw it up at the basket, and I'm not even in rhythm anymore. Like, and right. and 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 your defender is he's been he's been set, and he's been just standing in front of you, not moving the whole possession. There's no switching. There's nothing going on because Harden is trying to play make at the top of the key. It's hard. But their I, offense, I, their offense stinks. I'm sorry. I don't 100 percent disagree with the offense because Harden can do it. But he's the a bucket. He's a bucket. Of Harden's game that he's taken out is the mid-range jump shot. I don't know why he refuses to take a pull-up mid-range. Yeah, when you look a at the robot pull-up mid-range, it, he's either pulling from a three, he might throw up a floater, which I don't know why he doesn't throw those up a little more. Mm-hmm. Or he's going straight to the basket. It's yeah, like Harden, you- if you mix it up, they don't know what to expect from you. What, what, yeah, once I see Harden with the ball at the top though. of the key, I know he's stepping back in my grill. So all mm-hmm. I gotta do is just, is just try to Try to throw off his balance a little bit so I can make the shot a little more difficult for him than it has to be. I and um think the last thing I had to say about this game is that um oh yeah, this morning on ESPN, I love the narrative that they tried to pull. The the narrative today was you know how there's always a narrative after the, um, the Rockets lose to Golden State. Right. The narrative of this course. time was oh, they're missing Eric Gordon. Like oh, I'm yelling. Like what? Like Eric Gordon Gordon. He's such a non-factor. He's not a non-factor. Steph's brother-in-law from going off for like 22 and 15 rebounds. Like, wouldn't have stopped Draymond Green from pulling from three all those times. Like, I love the narratives that everyone likes to pull for the Rockets. Like, sometimes the Rockets, they just had a bad game and they stink. And that's that. Like. Agree. So I definitely agree. All right, let's get into the next game. The Clippers versus the Lakers. I need... I need seven games of this in May with a, with the NBA Finals on the line. Oh, yeah, that's not going to happen. I'm not Why even going to I don't think the Lakers and the Clippers can go to I am not. A, Paul George folds in the playoffs with consistency. He does it all the time. All the time. He has, a matter of fact, he hasn't had a good playoff series since LeBron and the Heat did him filthy. Why, let's be real. Let's be real here. But... We saw, we saw, and, and stop me if I'm wrong, or tell me if I'm wrong. We saw Kyle Lowry fold in the playoffs last season. But him having Kawhi nullified his folding. And I feel like that's the, probably the same thing that's going to happen. I mean, you do have AD, which is crazy, and you do have Braun. But if Braun, is, if Braun and AD are going to do this, which is not likely either, for seven nights straight or four games straight, it's going to be hard to, to deny Kawhi his, his ticket to the finals. See, but you you say that, but I want to I want to bring up that okay, that famous the last game when OKC got eliminated by who they got four and one by somebody. I think it was Portland, and everyone yeah. was blaming Melo when Melo shot three for seven. Oh, no, no, that was and, Jazz. No, no, that was, oh, that was Jazz. Jazz. That was Jazz. Jazz. That was Donovan Mitchell. And no and one boys. said anything that Paul George shot two for seventeen. No one said a word, and I was absolutely furious because two for seventeen means 
You you haven't been on track shooting for since you put up eight shots. I think I think it was easier to blame Melo because every time Donovan Mitchell put him in a pick and roll, like he just blew by him or he scored on him. Like I that's mean, but the main on, reason. We we Why, can't but we know Melo. Yeah, you can't put all the blame on Melo there. I didn't blame Melo at all. Tuesday. I just think that with I feel like I, it was forced. I feel like the whole introduction of Melo and 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 then getting into the playoffs. I feel like it was like you know you win or bust. Like yeah, it was it was no chance of of Melo and then ever going past where they were right now because if they didn't make it past the first round, at least. There was nothing else that's gonna happen for them. It, it's pretty evident that 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 was the whole I, mindset of, of the Thunder at that point. Mm-hmm. But um, back to this um, Clippers Lakers game. I mean, um, Kawhi was dominant with thirty five, twelve, and Ooh, five, shooting an efficient <laughs> eleven for nineteen from the field. Had five a really for seven good game. Three. He did. And then Paul George and Lou Williams they struggled to get their shots off today. Mm-hmm. I think Trez had a good game. Five for eighteen. Yeah, Montrez had a good game, and he was doing his he was doing his best against AD. Held AD to a reasonable. I think AD had like twenty four. Twenty four, yeah. Twenty four and six. I think it was. I don't. But, I don't want to say he held them. I feel like AD was settling, and so was Le- yeah. AD Liverpool. was settling. Him and Bron. But I think Bron. Uh, I don't. Uh, I don't know how to put this, but he suffered another groin injury. Yeah. I believe when that's what he said. ran into him. That's what he says. I mean, everyone says, "Why does he always? Why does he always? Um, why does he always get hurt when he's losing?" But I don't know. I saw him get hit in the groin, so I'll say that it did bother him because he wasn't driving as like aggressive as he usually does. Right. And it was a groin injury that he sustained, I believe, like five last years. season. So oh, yeah. not, even, not even last season, but five days ago, he had a groin injury. Yeah, you're right. And he just I missed above that. But I'll, also, it could be. Also, it could be that the amount of bodies that the Clippers were just throwing at him was bothering him. They threw Parkless, they threw Patrick Beverly, they threw Montrez, they threw um, Patrick Patterson, Kawhi, Paul George. I mean, they threw endless amounts of bodies at LeBron just to bother him. I mean, that's and, what you have to do to stop LeBron, though. Yep, that's yeah. the whole way. You can't let and, him get you. You can't let him get into a rhythm against a certain. Because let's be honest here: if LeBron is going to see this person more than seven or eight times in the next 20 possessions after the first or two tries, he's going to he's gonna just dominate. Yeah, he shot nine for 24 from the field and two for 12 from three. He was yeah. settling for a lot of jumpers, though. I mean, but between LeBron and AD, they put up 18 threes and hit three. That's definitely not going to work. It's not yeah. going to work. And the I Lakers, mean, oh my goodness! The Lakers were 26, 27% from the three. You're yeah. never going to win again. But they only lost by five. It's because Kyle Kuzma kept them in it. Kyle Kuzma had 25 points off the bench on four of nine from three. And he came out hot. He started the game with 15 points in five minutes. And I'm, I'm sure that the Lakers hope that this is going to be something that's consistent because he hasn't been able to get in a rhythm lately because Frank Vogel yeah, has been keeping him out of the lineup because Vogel doesn't believe that he fits well with um, LeBron and AD. AD and LeBron. Yeah. So, I, th- I, I think AD and LeBron need to understand a little better on how to pace themselves within the game with each other and in reference to each other. Because I, I, what I see a lot, what happens is one of them will get off to a pretty decent start, but then they'll end up trailing off later in the game. Mm-hmm. And I feel like what they need to do is a little more like 
a hardened Russell Westbrook kind of like, okay, feel me? It's you got it right now, AD. Do your thing, but at some point, I'm gonna I'm gonna start to take over so that we can get you a rest on offense and you know where you pick your shots, take what you can get, take what the defense gives you, and then from there, once we get into the fourth quarter, we're back to picking our shots and taking what we want and opposed to what the defense gives us. I feel like AD and LeBron, sometimes they burn themselves out in the beginning of the game trying to find their, their shots that later in the game they end up settling a little more than they have to. But LeBron started this game off horribly. I believe he started the game off like 1 for 7 or like 0 for 7 or something nasty like that. So if, you actually, ask, if, if LeBron doesn't get off to that start, Lakers win the game because they only lost by five. And I, and I personally think that on average, LeBron will start a game at least three for seven, four for seven. So well, I think that just depends on also the defensive intensity of the other team. I mean, the Clippers, they came out ready to throw all the bodies they had at him. So I think that kind of disrupted him, too. And then on top of that, mm-hmm. resustaining that groin injury hurt. I mean, yeah. I had down as a takeaway from the Clippers. I would be worried about Paul George because he constantly shrinks in big moments. And although this was a regular season game, it was a big game regardless. Right. I can only hope that Paul George can step up and be that 1B to Kawhi's 1A. Kawhi, I mean, Paul George is not a 1B. He is a 2 But if the Clippers want to be as successful as they want to be, and if it comes down to them versus the Rockets or even the Lakers in the playoffs with a chance to get to the finals, Paul George is going to have to be that 1B to Kawhi's 1A. It can't be Lou Williams. It can't be Montrez. It has to be Paul George. Because they gave up so much for him. Right. Yeah, they did give up a lot. Alright. Um, last game. game. I didn't even watch most of this. Honestly, I'm sorry. If there's any Pelicans and Nuggets fans listening, I'm sorry. I did not watch this game. This game did not interest me that much. I will note that Brandon Ingram continues to show why he's the most improved player. He had a career-high seven three-pointers. But my opinion on the Pelicans is that they should just trade Drew Holiday and J.J. Redick and get this rebuild in full swing. Like, um, I think they definitely should have got the rebuild in full swing, but I'm, I'm not sure if getting the rebuild in full swing with Zion was the most. Though, what I will say is, is I guess everything... You know, you can always make a better decision with hindsight, but mm-hmm. man, a, a small forward and he's the heaviest man in the NBA. And he's not even on the court yet. That has, Zion, some type, that has to raise some type. They're reteaching him how to walk how and run. I mean, they have the Saints medical staff. I personally think that this was no, not actually a they changed it, I believe. They changed, they changed it? Yeah. They changed well, it this season. This season yeah, they changed it. But now you have an inexperienced medical staff. Come on. This, this is your first year of having your own medical staff. What do you mean? There's no way that I personally think that they will manage this correctly. Also, uh, without a jump shot, or at least without the ability to make players around better, you cannot start a franchise without that player. Unless that player is like, yo, I can go get you 30 on a bad night like Shaquille O'Neal. <sighs> Let's be real. I also want to talk about something you said. Wait, I don't know who said it, but they said you said that they should trade JJ Reddick. JJ Reddick, holiday. holiday, yeah. That was Samuel. I feel like the best, I, the best thing they can do right now is keep trade that. He is, he is something isn't right with his body. I don't know if if it can, you know, if it can be fixed with time because I guess they were working on his jump shot. 
but his hip seems to be a problem that is persistent over and over. And I don't know how 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 much we're being let, let into of, of what's really going on with his body. But I would I would definitely think that maybe the smartest thing else would would be to get rid of Lonzo and get rid of JJ and try to get somebody else in there because Ingram is showing very good. Drew Holiday is solidified. Um, I don't really like Dirk Favors. I'm going to be real with you. He's, he's good enough. I would just think that Jackson Haynes or that Jalo should, should have a, a bigger part on the team. I just, I just can't. I don't see, I don't see that this recipe they have right now as being something that. I mean, they're obviously not winning, but something that's going to be food. Lonzo's giving me very weird vibes right now. I mean, but moving on to maybe talking about Nuggets. Um, Nikola, Nikola Jokic, he's been, he's been picking up his players of late. Yeah, he's yeah. been having better games. You know? Fortunately, yeah. the Pelicans the Pelicans broke their seven-game win streak. Yeah. I was confused when I saw that. But Jamal Murray, his play upsets me because it's so inconsistent. And he just got paid. He got paid $170 million this offseason. Excuse me? Wait, wait, wait. Say that number one more time. $170 million. 170? Yes. Oh, no. They dated. <laughs> they gave him a big bag. And Jalen Brown, Buddy Heald, Pascal Siakam, they all got paid this offseason. And they've all been playing really well this year. Probably all having career years. Mm-hmm. And Jamal Murray, I know his numbers are okay-ish, but I need him to come out playing like Jalen Brown. I don't need to see all this inconsistency like you're in your first or second or even, I think, third year. I think he's in his yeah. fourth year now. Like, come on. You got to do better than eight points on two-for-eight shooting on Christmas Day when you have, like, a seven-game win streak and you could increase it even more. to like Two-for-ten shooting. Oh, two for ten. Yeah, two for ten. Like, yeah. come on, you can't be, you can't be doing that. And you just got paid one hundred seventy million dollars. I need you to play like you just got paid one hundred seventy million dollars. Like, I mean, he's he's playing with that bag on his back. It's too heavy for him, honestly. <laughs> because it, that's gotta be what it is. With me personally, I think these NBA contracts are getting a little too out of hand. Want to be real? I think NBA teams are. I starting... think these are just the rookie extension numbers. I believe. Man, forget. All of that nonsense. Why are you giving Jamal Murray $170 million? And he hasn't For even what told you, you that one he's making. See? And, and, and a hope. That's what teams are playing for because you don't want to lose a guy and then he goes to another team and then you're like, man, we could have paid him to do this when he starts playing well for someone else. Yeah, but Jamal Murray will playing never be. You right now. If you ask me, Jamal Murray is not going to be the difference between winning a championship and not winning the championship. Well, Denver think- believes that is the case. How could they possibly believe that? Didn't they lose in Game 7 to the Portland Trailblazers? Well, he played well that series, though. He played pretty well that series. I'll give him that. And I feel like that was probably... They were like, okay, he can play well for us in the playoffs in, like, big moments, so let's give him this money so that way he can improve, so that way he doesn't have to worry about the contract being on his mind. Personally, I think these NBA teams need to start... Dipping a I don't get how the contract is on your mind. You just made a buck $170 million. <laughs> you should be playing the best basketball of your life. Everything that 
that that can be a factor in in you being distracted from the game is effectively nullified by the effect of 170 million dollars possibly coming to you in the next what three years and every single game you're make you're making a whole bunch of money there's there's no reason for you to be playing this bad and it's obvious that the other people who got the big bags they're sitting up thinking okay yeah i got paid now we can focus on ball i got a solidified job let's let's go out there and show them what i can do i don't feel like jamal murray has that dog in him i don't feel like he has enough at least but what skills does Jamal Murray have that are hundred that are worth $170 million? Because it's not his jump shot. It's not his defense. It's not his playmaking and ball hit. And it's not his ability to get to the basket. So I don't understand where this $170 million total worth of money I think it's, I think it's being put in. I think it's being at the helm of the team for two, sec- two consecutive seasons. Or but two it's consecutive not seasons. him. It's Jokic. It's straight up Jokic. I know. I'm not saying that he's the premier guy on the team but being the point guard of the team and then making the playoffs two years consecutively gives him combined with you know maybe the coach admiration and stuff like that he's like the, might have given like, him the ability to make he is technically technically speaking the second star to Jokic, so that's why they pay him that much i mean i can look at his numbers i don't think that he's the second star yet you might, might as well pay pay barton that money bro be real Barton be having some good game. Barton literally has better numbers than him. Barton has better numbers than him. It's gonna be with you. Let me see, cause I like Jamal Murray and I want him to play well, cause I feel like he can be a really good player. He can. He is just way too consistent, and he's averaging on the season seventeen and a half, four and a half assists, shooting forty three percent from the field. I'm out of. I'm out of jacked on the Barton. Barton's <laughs> <laughs> okay. averaging 14 from the 14.4 PPGs, 7, 7 rebounds, and 3.4. He was assists. on ESPN's top 10 plus minus, though. I'll give him that, yeah, um, Will Barton. He's really efficient. Let's see, but I... Hello? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think... Ahead, I think the Nuggets losing this game was high key a function of their inability to rely on more than one person. I don't think I don't think they have enough they don't have enough star power on that team. The Nuggets never had that star power, even when they were third seed with with, with Ty Lawson and Iggy and whoever who else did they have? Did they have anybody? I think they had maybe Kenneth Fareed, but they the had like a about, team of Andre Godala, Danilo Gallinari, and, and, and guys like that. They had that yeah, team. That, but that <laughs> team was so much more balanced than this team right it here. It was, and they got upset by Golden State in the playoffs that year. I, remember. Ooh, I wouldn't say upset. I think they got about what was supposed nah, to No, they were upset because Golden State was like the sixth seed that year. Okay, if, you, yeah. if you're, if you're going to go in terms of that type of ranking. Yeah, I'm going I, in terms I, of seeding. In terms of seeding, they got upset. But I know oh, yeah, they had the agree. potential to beat them. Agree. Um, but I, I don't think they have the star power to, to jump to the next level. And I don't think spending all that money on Jamal Murray was going to help them jump to the next level. Because if you want to yeah, be- I was skeptical when they gave him that contract to begin with. Because I was like, right. can you give him a little less? Like, maybe 120? Yeah, like 170 is a lot for Jamal. A Murray. lot of money to not be winning an award for anything. To not be going to the all-star. Put this into game. perspective. 
put this into perspective. Um, I know the cap, the cap situation is different now from mm-hmm. when Steph Curry was getting his rookie extension, and I know Steph Curry was in a, a whole different situation because of his ankle right. surgeries. And also, I Steph, Alex- and I think Steph Curry had gotten forty-four million as his rookie extension for what, like three, four years. For four years, I believe. Right, I think it was like exactly. eleven million per year. That's why they were able to get like Kevin Durant when the when the cap spiked and all that. Everyone mm-hmm. was like, "It's it's so unfair," but like it was just a matter of situation because Golden State had got they Curry was very unlucky early on with the ankle injuries, and then he he right. somehow got healthy at the right time where him and Clay and Draymond were emerging along with Harrison Barnes, and mm-hmm. then. The cap spiked, and then boom, you have all this money available to give to Kevin Durant. Right. So that's how that happened, and I'm just like, I'm just looking at it in perspective, seeing what Jamal Murray's getting compared to what Steph was getting. I know it's to completely different situations, but it's just funny seeing how those two situations pair up. I just I just know that in this day and age, as an NBA team successful, you have to have somebody that you can rely in day in, day out. I'm going to be, you know, giving us not a majority of our points, but in terms of one player giving us this many points, I'm going to be the player on giving us a majority of our points. Every team needs to have somebody who can get up and say, yo, I'm good for 25 just about every night. And I think every legitimate playoff team has one, excluding Greg Popovich's team, even though Tim Duncan could, he just didn't. Mm Mm-hmm. And 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 I'd say in probably modern basketball, there are no there are no NBA championships or few to little to where the team with the more superstars and the more bona fide superstars didn't win. Like that's just usually how it goes. Unless I'm trying to think about it, but I don't see one either. What happened? No, I was trying to think of a team that in the last maybe. I mean, except for the Dallas Mavericks and the um, the O three um, Pistons. I, I O four Pistons with um Chauncey in them. No, I, that wasn't three. That was O four, I think. O three was um, who did win in O three? Because I know the Lakers won what two thousand O one and O two, and then O3 they was lost Spurs year. O three was O three was the Spurs year. Mm-hmm. three. I know Spurs were O three, O five, O seven in that, that range. Okay. Yeah. Drew Holiday I think O3 might have been a lot, mm-hmm. but I feel like Denver should go after Drew Holiday. They're the one team that I feel like they have like the right pieces that they can probably pair up to send to um to New Orleans that would probably entice them. Mm-hmm. A fake I think New Orleans would do good with a Paul Millsap or maybe a Will Barton. Definitely, I feel not like even, I'd even have those guys in the in the fake trade that I made up. The fake trade I made up was Gary Harris, Beasley, and a pick for um, or a couple picks for Drolly. That that's not bad, but with Jamal Murray, I feel like him and, and Holiday will clash a little bit. But what I will say is Holiday a combo guard scenario. Yeah, I was about to say that a combo yeah. guard scenario with those two. I'm not gonna say. Well, I think Holiday's a defensive juggernaut. Jamal Murray yeah. can still play defense, you know, well. So I, I feel like that would definitely improve their defense, but I think the number one thing that the Nuggets are lacking is somebody who's going to put up some buckets. Jokic is 8 for 20. You're not going to win a game with the best player on your team shooting 8 for 20. You're just not. Yeah. I feel like the Nuggets also just rely on like their balance a lot too because they have so many pieces. 
And right. I feel like they also mm-hmm. really, they also rely on on just their defensive sets, just coming mm-hmm. out there and just forcing people to have bad shots and just settling for okay, we're gonna we're gonna get our buckets in transition, and we're gonna we're gonna come down and run our offense, but our main staple is our defense. I don't feel like that's that's gonna be the recipe for them winning a chip because it, it it definitely hasn't been in the last three years. And I can't even say anything because you know we did have super teams in the last three years, which is. Which has made the league very much so unbalanced, and mm-hmm. we see we see the balance being restored now. But I feel like for them, they definitely need maybe a guard who's more consistent. And Drew Holiday, I do feel he can he can he can bring that to the team. And especially especially for the one hundred and seventy million dollars, I'm concerned. yeah, definitely definitely Drew Holiday could do that for a buck seventy. Alright, before we end, I just want to get into um some all-star voting. All-star voting opened yesterday, and I want to know what you guys um let me go first. Your... I did have mine. I did mine right. already. Yeah. So for the West, I had my um my front court consisting of James LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Kawhi Leonard. And my front court and my back court was James Harden and Luka Doncic. I feel like yeah. that's that's very hard to beat. That's very yeah, hard that's, to that's beat. That's my same five I have in the West as well. And in the East, I had Trey Young and Ben Simmons um, as as my my backcourt. Backcourt. And the reason that um, I picked Ben Simmons over, I think there was somebody else who was ranked up. Spencer, pick. probably. Spencer Dinwiddie. Yeah. The reason I picked Ben Simmons over him was just because I feel like he has maybe more voting, and it would it would it would be a little bit smarter, even though it, it's purely about. Voting. And stuff like that, just just for just for competitive reasons, I have been. Um, and for my front court, I had Giannis, Siakam, and Joel Embiid. Yeah, my East was similar to yours, except I had Spencer because I feel like Spencer's been like carrying mm-hmm. the load for that Brooklyn team. Mm-hmm. I and I didn't have Embiid. I don't know why I didn't have Embiid, but uh, I should have probably put Embiid. I put Tatum instead. Okay. Tatum's I actually don't really do all-star voting. I don't really care for it. Whoever goes, goes. Yeah. I, I like. I, I probably have voted once in my all-star life, and that was in the NBA, and that's all it was. Um, I think just about everybody you named is definitely deserving of the spot, but if I had to, I would put in LeBron. I would put in AD. You have to put in Luka. You have to put in Harden. And you have to put in Kawhi, really. So mm-hmm. I, I think both of you guys hit the nail right on the head for the West. And with the East, again, mostly the same. Um, the only reason I'm not going to say you put in Spencer Witty maybe is because his success is a function of the starting point guard not playing. And I don't feel like that's necessarily worthy of an all-star role because if their team was fully healthy, they wouldn't be voting him. Whereas, at least with the other players, regardless of if their team is healthy or not, as long as they're healthy, we'll put them in. It would have been nice to maybe see Kyrie go. I, I, I do like to watch Kyrie play basketball because he is a talented basketball player. But the injury has been keeping him out. Ben Simmons, I agree. All of that stuff is good. Um, yeah, that's really it. How do you feel about Trey? Because I know Trey's like, he's a loser, basically. But yeah, he's but he's, he's hooping. And I feel like he's hooping to the point game. where... Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're almost averaging 30... They got to and, and I kind of feel sorry for him because I mean, like he had his second best player out half the season. Twenty five so games, far. yeah. Same oh, thing with Booker, which is very, which is 
And let's not even talk that for a second, too. I, me, you taking drugs to enhance your body's functionality <laughs> when you have so much time in the off season. Off season, I'm gonna point out two guys: DeAndre and. Wait, repeat that. Repeat that. Repeat that. When you have so much, sorry, you have so much time in the off season, seeing that your team does not win. <laughs> two examples: DeAndre Ayton and John Collins. Your team has you have so much time to work. Yeah, your off season because your off season begins really early <coughs> when you're on the Suns and the Hawks. Really early, because you can start prepping maybe for the last ten games of the the the, the season. You could probably not going to get before that. I'm sorry, you're, you're, you're probably not going to be getting played that much. Um, there's no need for you to be running game because you're you're fighting for what. 15th, 16th. Well, I'm sorry, 15th, 14th, 13th in the league. Like, <clears throat> like, it doesn't really matter for you to be going that hard. If you to still come be tested and have water pills for the in DeAndre Ayn situation and growth hormones for John. John Collins is big. What do you need growth hormones for? I'm just so confused <laughs> on that. Like, you know, he's undersized. <laughs> undersized? He's like 6'9". Ain't nobody like, afraid of him. Who? John Collins? I, yeah. I beg to differ because John I Collins feel like... is 6'10". He plays like small ball center most of the time for the... Um... Oh, 6'10". Yeah, that's not much bigger than 6'9". <laughs> nah, but I feel like... um He hurt... He hurt. I feel like he, John Collins could have had probably an all-star type season. That's fair he, to say, though. He, he hurt the Hawks because I kid you not. Yeah. I feel like they win way more games with him than without him. Of course! At least they're in the playoffs. Alright, so I think that's it for this episode. Thanks guys for joining me this this, this week. Thank you for having me. It's been a real pleasure. And I think we'll have another episode up on Sunday, I believe. Alright. And yeah, that's it. Make sure you guys are showing support. The NBA Fast Break Podcast. Make sure you guys are tuning in. No freezing takes over here. No freezing takes over here. Subscribe, follow, and make sure you leave that rating, especially if you're on Apple Podcasts. All right.